Fundraising everywhere. 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 You need to add me in there. Hey, welcome to the Fundraising Everywhere podcast. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you've been here before, welcome back. It's lovely to have you here. Over the next few episodes, we're taking a look at some of our favourite individual giving on-demand sessions in celebration of our IG conference coming up on the 19th of October. If you'd like to join us at the conference, you can use the promo code FEPODCAST to get 50% off. Yep, just pop in FE Podcast at checkout to get 50% off IG conference in October via our website. Now, on to today's episode. Enjoy. Okay, hi everyone. Um, Jeff speaking. Um, thank you for coming to my session on growing your email list like a pro. I've only got 20 minutes, so I'm just going to get straight into it. But it's worth mentioning that um, I'm going to be given quite a general approach on how to best handle your email marketing. So it's quite broad. So I thought it would probably be a good place to start by giving you a bit of the lay of the land with regards to email marketing and some top line stats on how it's generally performing. So it's estimated that by the year 2025, email users are to grow from 4.3 billion to 4.6 billion. And yeah, that's a ridiculously high volume of people. But to put that into further context, that's more than half the world's population. So um, a lot of people are using email still. In 2022 alone, 333.2 billion emails are expected to be sent and received each day. So yeah, definitely a lot of traffic there. And email is the second most popular content distribution channel just behind social media with 87% of marketeers using it for content. And generally KPIs that are linked to email engagement are some of the top used metrics to evaluate content performance, even more so than website traffic and social media analytics. Um, at Shelter, actually, we often use retention team emails to test how messages will land before we adapt them for paid media and cold audiences. So, for example, we had a recent cost of living campaign we used, um, and we based that on the outcome of an A-B email messaging test that the retention team did with impossible choices versus position of privilege. And that the outcome of that was the focal point of our paid media. So definitely valuable there. So basically, despite all the buzz around paid media and very warranted dialogue around innovative new digital channels, email marketing isn't going anywhere and can be a key part or rather is should be a key element to your wider digital marketing strategy. Therefore, you should be focusing on building up an email list as a priority, as it's one of the biggest assets that you're going to have as a charity and more specifically a charity brand. So before we go into the how, let's address the why. Um, essentially, retention is less expensive than acquisition. Retaining donors is cheaper than acquiring new ones. Um, also, email can be a valuable tool in enabling you to maximize the value of supporters you have already captured. Um, second point, conversion success rate slash effort is generally higher with email. Um, it's worth mentioning, actually, that for cold digital prospects, the donation process is very seldom linear. 
And on average, it takes between five to seven marketing touch points before you get a conversion. Um, but out of all the email channels that I've tested as a marketeer, email continuously outperforms most of these with much less effort to get that conversion I mentioned. Mileage may vary depending on email lists, more on that later. Um, but not only does it have a higher conversion rate, but as you build up your list, you can continually cross-sell, upsell by pitching multiple asks or areas of work within one email. Another point is the current landscape. In today's environment, both your digital presence and how you utilize data tie directly into your competitive advantage as an organization. Increasingly, more and more people are beginning their relationships with charities via digital channels. Um, a user's point of entry will not only correlate with their transactional behavior, but generally how they prefer to be communicated with. This will only rise as we continue to grow as a tech society and numbers of email users increase. Remember the crazy high stats I mentioned before. Um, another point, sophisticated remarketing opportunities. Basically, the more your list grows, the more opportunities you have to drive traffic to your site, which can feed into a wider digital um, remarketing strategy, if you have one, um, and you should have one. <laughs> but also, the bigger and more informed your email lists are, the more you can upload very specific audience data to marketing platforms such as Facebook and use them to create custom audiences and exclude these very select lists from general comms if you deem it appropriate. Um, this approach to more refined user journeys is currently something we're tweaking at Shelter and we're doing further testing to see if tailored paid media comms for an email audience um, uplifts email donations. And finally, the final why, um, first party data is the future of marketing. If marketers have learned anything over the past two years, it's that the only constant is change. Um, so while some are treading a cookie-less world, and admittedly, some are still getting their head around what that means in English, adopting new strategies that go beyond cookies will ultimately keep your charity current with the industry. Um, I personally believe that email marketing will prove to be the power player in this adjustment. Um, but to make that pivot as seamless as possible, we'll have to first use our email programs to proactively build first-party data and store and segment that data effectively. So in addition to all the other strategic whys and reasons, think of email as an insurance policy for your organization, reducing reliance on other marketing platforms and their third-party data sets. So before I go on, I just have to set the table a bit more. So um, in hindsight, when I was asked to host a session on this subject, I should have asked the good folks at Fundraising Everywhere to change the wording in the title from grow to build, as I'm not keen on the implications of the word grow in this context. Um, it may seem pretty pedantic, but I feel it's valid to make this distinction as developing a sustainable email list as part of a wider digital strategy requires building via a combination of parts and therefore needs to be more considered than just linear growth or a simple increase in numbers. Just had to get that off the ch my chest and set the table with that expectation. So now that we've got that out of the way, in order to take advantage of connecting with, in order to take advantage of connecting with supporters through the email list that you compile, you need to work on email list building. But what is email list building? Well, here's the definition on screen right here. Email list building is the act of getting more people to subscribe to your emails, example being a call to action on your homepage. So how do we build an email list? Well, 
there are lots of ways. Um, one is optimize your landing pages. Your landing pages are one of the most critical aspects of your website regarding email list building. This is simply because they were designed to convert visitors into subscribers, donors, pledges, whatever. So if you want to optimize your landing page for email list building, make sure you're using a compelling call to action, providing relevant and valuable content and making it easy as possible for people to sign up. Second point is using advocacy asks as a compelling hook to get subscribers. Initially, I've found great success doing that historically and shelter actually have a, a good funnel between advocacy asks to them, to these users becoming donors. Create new lead generation offers. So yeah, if you want to grow your email list, give people a reason to sign up. One way to do this is to create a new lead generation offer. Um, a lead gen offer is something that you give away in exchange for someone's contact information. So classic value exchange. A great example is a campaign that was run by the Samaritans. Um, you can see it on the right-hand side, um, specifically by um, the acquisition officer. They're called Claire Leslie, um, who's a personal friend of mine. Um, obviously, the next steps off the back of this are to nurture these leads via email workflows. Once again, more on, more on that later. But last I spoke with her, she estimated approximately 11,400 new leads um, came off the back of this. So that's 11,400 people to email off the back of this activity. So yeah, don't sleep on this. Um, another way to build your list is um, exclusive content. Um, works best when it's a tangible fundraising project and product. Just worth mentioning as we're on the subject of value exchange, good examples of this are Centerpoint and YMCA England with their room sponsor products. Once again, if you're able to do this, that's really valuable. Interactive emails, um, two-way dialogue. So yeah, two-way dialogue with an email lead generation or retention journeys are really, are really good here, really valuable because they provide opportunities for an engaged audience to provide feedback via meaningful surveys or quizzes. And that's just the way of the world now. The way people interact with brands, charity or not, it's a two-way dialogue. Um, Posting about your advocacy or newsletter content on organic social, content is king, um, agreed. Um, in this context, it absolutely is king. Um, creating consistent and engaging posts on organic channels, especially ones where user-generated content can really shine, such as TikTok and Instagram, can go a long way here. Also, um, it's a good way of getting traction from the ever-growing, ever-talked-about Gen Z group. Um, lead ads, paid social media. Yeah, um, put some budget towards lead ads within paid social, um, ideally as part of a wider digital strategy. Um, I've taken this approach historically and I've done two-stage lead generation acquisition campaigns um, and they've worked really well in this area. Um, Facebook lead ads, they're an excellent way to grow your email list, to be frank. Um, you can use these to target specific demographics interests and even behaviors um another way to build an email list is to encourage sharing or referrals and content that supports this make sure your content is shareable if you want to grow your email list this means creating content that's valuable and relevant to your target audience naturally if you can get people to share your content on their social media outlets you'll be able to reach a larger audience and grow your lists and finally collaborate with your corporate partners if applicable 
Collaborating with your corporates is a great way to grow your email list. This is because you can cross promote each other's brands with a group of people who are likely already warm to your cause and your brand. So how to manage and maintain your email lists. Keeping your email list organized is crucial in having successful email campaigns. If you have a bunch of email subscribers on your newsletter list that haven't been opening your emails, your open rate is going to be low and that's going to skew your results and compromise any learnings you may get. So here are some top line tactics. I'll go into specifics in the upcoming slides. So segmentation, automated email workflows, personalization, analyzing email list data, re-engaging old contacts and making unsubscribing easy. So segmentation, we all know what segmentation is. Um, in this context, it's the act of separating email lists based on personalized preferences. Um, when email subscribers signed up for your email lists, you might have asked, you might have prompted them to answer a few questions, which is good. And if you aren't doing that, I would suggest you do. Um, according to a recent email marketing study, um, when you have copies, when you get the copies of the slide, you can click the links and see the um, learnings yourself. Um, but according to the study, segmented, segmented emails drive 18 times more revenue than more general emails. Um, like I said, you can segment emails based on any personalized information that a user's provided. Some examples of this are listed here, such as user demographics, um, user email update preferences, whether they prefer to hear about advocacy, events, fundraising opportunities, and of course, transactional history. Automated workflows. So yeah, think of automated workflows as the next logical step after segmentation, as this is essentially mapping out the user journey of select email lists. Um, email workflows can work in many ways. Um, and one way is that they can nurture your leads by following up their interest with relevant information and resources. And if these emails are relevant and engaging, the contact will, the contact will learn more about your charity and the causes you support and potentially be more receptive when they're eventually approached for a donation ask or cross-sell. Um, automating email workflows, um, are basically having this in place sets you up for success, but more specifically, it allows you to do the following, to have better personalization and targeting. So this could be via methods such as um, lead scoring. So think of this as segmentation hierarchy where the ranking is based on someone's propensity to convert, um, careful planning and reducing the potential for human error. Automated workflows also set you up for more detailed reporting and better understanding your supporters. And finally, it ensures that all activity and appropriate constituent data is set up to be imported back into your main CRM, which should be your main source of truth for all your supporters. Personalization. So um, the consumer is powerful. Um, not only are they powerful, they're more sophisticated than they've ever been. Therefore, consumers increasingly expect sensitive, emotionally intelligent communication from the brands they interact with. Um, to be honest, this has been the direction of travel for quite some time now, but with COVID and the pandemic, this has put a renewed spotlight on this more considered and less tone deaf approach to marketing. And um, once again, I have a link in the slides which you can click once you get sent these. 
But um, there's a report from Harvard Business Review called The New Science of Customer Emotions, which identifies hundreds of emotional motivators that drive consumer behavior, ranging from notions of safety and collectivism, a desire to feel secure or a sense of belonging, um, so many different emotional hooks. And it's worth mentioning that a highly emotionally connected consumer is 52% more valuable on average when it comes to lifetime value than one who is just highly satisfied. That's a very interesting um, point to think about. Therefore, segmenting by key motivators and testing tailored content by the use of personalization tokens is key here. So an example of that would be, thanks so much for being a key part of our insert appropriate topic. We just wanted to update you on progress and why your continued support is so valuable. That's that can literally be a variable in of itself. Of course, doing this in addition to the more basic personalization, such as using people's first names, etc. Whilst personalization is important, best practice states that you should never sacrifice relevancy for personalization. In other words, don't add a recipient's name to your subject line if it doesn't improve the email's overall relevancy. There's just no point. Analyze the email data. Just about anything subscribers do on an email can be tracked. Whether users click through the links, um, whether they've opened the email, if they've interacted in any way, it can be tracked. So stay on top of your email list data and use this to build an effective and successful email list and cater your emails based on those analytics. Um, this approach to email management is important and can impact other areas of a wider digital strategy. And I'll give you an example. Um, if an email has a high click-through rate, naturally you can make assumptions on how appropriate the content is for that user. You can then further interrogate this by seeing user behavior on the landing pages using Google Analytics, both are logical steps. However, click-through rate of an email is also important as if you have an integrated campaign and your digital strategy slash messaging is holistic, all those people who clicked through via your email will be picked up in a remarketing paid media strategy as remarketing to users who have engaged um, with your website or organic social media is an important pillar of digital marketing. Um, generally, remarketed audience always have the best return on ad spend. So for your more engaged email lists, they're more likely to convert in a more linear fashion because conversion rates of emails are higher. But for those less engaged segments, the additional marketing touch points could aid here. Therefore, like I put in red, the question isn't simply how well an email converts in isolation, it's how effective it is in feeding the funnel, increasing web traffic and the odds of conversion at a later time. Once again, this is of particular relevance to lesser engaged email lists or segments who may need more marketing prompts or touch points before converting. Re-engaging old contacts. If you notice that you have a lot of inactive subscribers in your email list data, um, hopefully you'll have a specific segment for these people, especially off the back of this chat. Send them re-engagement emails. It's possible they just needed a break from your emails and aren't necessarily looking to unsubscribe. In fact, research shows that re-engaging old contacts is about 50% cheaper than converting new visitors. Once again, retention is cheaper than acquisition. Making unsubscribing easy. So going back to my earlier point, if there's too much of an emphasis on growth, it can drive a growth at all costs mentality or approach, 
which may benefit in the short term, whereas building is focusing on key areas and discarding things that no longer serve the charity. Having a bloated list with uninterested subscribers can skew results and result in lower open rates, lower click-through rates, um, emails reported as spam, and more undeliverable emails. Um, there may be many reasons for unsubscribing, and it's important to put processes in place so you can find out why. Exit surveys, for instance. But whatever the case may be, if your content is no longer valuable to them, make it as simple as possible to opt out. This is with the caveat that you've pre you've implemented the previously mentioned points and have an email list hierarchy and have attempted to re-engage non-active users. And yeah, um, I that was a really whistle-stop tour, but that's the end of my session. Um, I hope you can take some useful tips and hints away from this. Um, you're probably wondering why there were pictures of Robin Hood. <laughs> Nikki has dubbed me the Robin Hood of digital marketing. So I thought it would be a fitting way to end the session. Um, once again, thanks for your time. And I hope to speak with you all again very soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Fundraising Everywhere podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not share it with a fundraising friend? And if you would like to give us a little like or subscribe, it really helps more fundraisers like you find us. Thank you so much. See you next time.